In a universe where life does not end at death, we explore the infinite possibilities forged by our very minds. Welcome to our Theodian Anthologies. Greetings, fellow travelers and storytellers. Welcome to the Arthurian Anthologies podcast, where I, Matthew Arthur, explain to you the ever-expanding universe I've developed and the deeper meaning behind it all. The Core Reset brought about the rise of many different beliefs and theories of the past. What it also did was bring back difficult subject matter that, in the end, resulted in what is known now as the Archean Conflict. Lasting for around 14 cycles, the two nations of the Quexian Theocracy and Huvero Empire showed those who had forgotten the horrors of war what it was truly like in Archaea. Taking nearly a decade to get back on track, there were several changes that the magical pillar overwent in order to sustain itself. Right before the reset occurred, there was a massive geoquake that shook the pillar to its core, wiping out a large amount of its population. The damage was primarily on the continent of Laurel. However, this geoquake did affect its neighboring nations, including a, a potential tsunami that destroyed the shores of Quexia and a volcanic eruption at the far northern region of Huvero. The Grand Sage that sought to rebuild Laurel has been rumored to have recalled most of his memories, though those memories are mainly of fragments from Archaea. His name is Grand Sage Orkelis, and he is the founder of the Sage Sanctorium. One of the fragments Orkelis recalls was a conflict that formed between the nations of Archaea. He never truly explained what had happened as he felt the time had passed and the conflict is better left forgotten. This did not stop it from commencing, it just slowed it down. For all those that survived past the reset, memory fragments did not begin returning until certain points over the span of a few decades. For Archaeans, it took around 14 cycles for most memories to begin their process. The process is known as fragmentation and is extremely draining as the memories return through dreams, nightmares, and daydreams. And each time it occurs, it feels like they've been beaten in the head with a bat. In fact, sometimes fragmentation can cause severe brain damage and even result in death. However, once passing the initial fragment, memories return a bit more smoothly but soon stop after four more arrays. Most memories are never returned, only very specific ones. That's where the conflict begins. In the initial fragmentation of the Archean people, primarily on the continents of Quexia and Laurel, a band of marauders from Huvero that began the reset locked away in a dungeon underneath the desert dunes of their own nation found evidence suggesting the assassination of a nobleman. Little did they realize that the nobleman turned out to be their emperor. Once fragmentation occurred, they remembered what they had forgotten right before the reset. That they were the emperor's royal guard. A powerful mage caught them off guard, silencing each and every one of them. The mage had a black cow embroidered with golden rings across their robes, with a sigil of a tablet on his back. Each of them were rendered unconscious from the sweet scent of a cherry blossom. The next thing they knew, they were waking up in a dungeon with no recollection of who they were or what had happened. They were trapped down there for another ten cycles with what seemed to be an Erasian who they knew only as Valdahar. 
Valdahara would feed them when they were hungry and tell them they served a larger purpose. When they had asked what that was, he would just laugh maniacally. The Eurasian was cruel to them, sometimes only eating in front of them while they starved for a week, sometimes even worse. He would give them only enough food to survive, but at times would bring their hopes up, saying they would soon be let out of their prison. But for what purpose? They had no idea. There were times where they would overhear Valdahar speaking to someone, but would never be able to hear the other side of the conversation. The cruel yet cute warden would sometimes speak of a lord he served, and that he plans on finishing what he had started. After around four cycles of imprisonment, the band began suffering from great fatigue, which were the early signs of fragmentation, yet they did not know this. Their memories began returning, but only three out of the eight survived fragmentation. The others all died in their sleep from brain aneurysms. The three that survived recalled who they once were and what had happened right before the reset. Kai's Lofen, Seozen Mas, and Garo Bren were their names. At that point, they began planning any kind of escape they could. They knew they'd really only have one shot, so it had to not fail. The marks all blurred together, seeming to them as only a few months were passing at a time, when in reality it took them six cycles to plan. But once they were finally able to go through with their plan, the morning of, their shackles were broken, their cell broken down, and a figure was standing above them. They saw what looked like others of their kind. They were free. Transition out of their prison cell was a large change as they only had a few memories to go off of. However, once they were out and could ask what they had missed, it seemed most of the Hoovarians knew a little as well. That they had an emperor, but they did not know what happened to him. The only reason they were found was from a mage named Ayuda. The three survivors were informed about the reset and how no one from any of the pillars remembered much of what happened before a decade ago. Kai's sought to bring the information they had to those in charge in the Empire. Selzin felt something off about the situation, that Valdahar had suddenly disappeared. But the rumor was that this mage that found them was the one that killed the Eurasian. Kai's was then able to convince Garo to join him in his efforts to bring justice for the death of the Emperor. Once the information about the assassin was brought forward, they found out the truth. The sigil that marked the assassin was from the altar of Quexi, causing them to believe that Quexia was behind the death of the Huvirian Emperor. Though Quexia did not believe one of their holy voices could do such a thing. A political chess match ensued across the borders of the two nations. The Emperor of Huvero had yet to consummate any kind of relationship that would bear him an heir, which meant that the Empire had no real leader for them to reach a consensus. As for Quexia, their theocratic traditions made them follow the will of the Quexiguai, a tablet that details a historical record of Megenium, written by the seven sages and told by the gods. However, the ones that hold the power in the theocracy are actually the mage house of Seren, who are said to be very cunning and manipulative. With accusations being thrown toward the Seren Castell, from the Hoovarians, accusing them of heresy and much worse. It caused an adverse effect which brought about the Quexi Zealots. They believed that going against the gods' will meant the Hoovarians must pay for their heresy, 
and that now, with the split in the two, it was the will of the gods that blood shall be spilt. There were many on both sides that wished to stop pointing fingers and work together, that the past is behind them. In fact, Salesen was one of those Archaeans until the zealots launched a naval attack on the Artia shore, just west of the Huvero capital. It was at this time that whatever leadership was left in Huvero, they had to decide on the next leader. They preferred someone who was related to the emperor, and the second cousin was chosen, Empress Ayuda of Huvero. Kais and Garo became trusted advisors to Ayuda, while Salesen decided he wanted no part in an all-out war. He ended up moving to the Anusian Collective, but once the politics of the war reached him, he knew there was no real escape. Beginning in cycle 13 was mainly naval battles between Quexia and Huvero. The zealots quickly gained control over the course of four arrays. The churches and those that believed war was wrong were ostracized, while the Seren Castel helped fund the zealots' campaign to dominate the Huverians. Though the emperor had more warriors than anticipated, resulting in a stalemate that lasted nearly a decade. Over the course of that decade, the Seren worked to build relations with the other castels in Anesso, forming alliances with the Embraz Castel as well as the Ravel Castel, which hold pyromancers and psychomancers. This in turn caused Empress Ayuda to send Kais to negotiate with the other castels in order to face off against their new threat. This was the beginning of the Battle of Mages that went on for another four cycles, causing devastating casualties and finally bringing the Rune Forgers and Senate into the mix. Salesen was the one to call upon the Rune Forgers, getting the attention of one master forger, Asuma Laniz. She took the plea from Salesen and went directly to the Sidorian Senate for them to vote on drafting a treaty between the Huvero Empire and Quexian theocracy. She spoke. My fellow senators, diplomats, ambassadors of peace throughout the realms, I come before you not as a forger, but as a voice of reason. The Archaean conflict that has gone on for now well over a decade has gone on for far too long. Yes, the reset has brought about hardship and strife across every one of the pillars, and potentially across all worlds throughout the realms that harbor life just as ours. But we are the pillars, the bastions of peace, prosperity, and life. Though we are separated by realms, we are still the core of what makes the realm sacred. We must not allow the title of pillar to be tainted by bloodshed. We must achieve peace so that refugees from all over who have suffered shall know what it means to live amongst the pillars. With this plea, the Senate voted to draft a treaty alongside Master Laniz. Senator Orcasio Vos was given the opportunity to work alongside members of both the Theocracy and Empire. Now named the Laniz Armistice, the Theocracy agreed to it as they believed it was a sign from the Elder Goddess Armistice. Though it took convincing on behalf of Ayuda, she submitted once there were assurances that Quexia would not continue its zealous ways. Though difficult this was, many Quexians agreed. They must open themselves to the possibilities of different cultures. And thus ended the Archaean Conflict. Mm -hmm.
I thank you for listening to this entry. Though the conflict ended, the Zealots still remain in hiding. With this episode complete, there is but one more aspect I will be going over next week. The Summit of Peace. This will give you an assemblance of what occurs right before you are reborn as a Chosen. Then after that, the final entry of the first season. Once again, if you'd like to support me, you can donate to my Subscribestar account, Reborn in Power, or check out my website at ArthanianAnthologies.com. I will be posting this podcast up on Subscribestar and the website, so keep a watchful eye. Until then, be safe, stay safe, and if death comes to you, may you be reborn in power.